Laker fans, welcome to The Late Late Show. I'm your host, Matt, from Lakers UK. We've got a very special episode for you with a very special guest. He's an official beat writer for The Lakers, the host of the official Lakers podcast, and sideline reporter, host, and does analysis for Spectrum Sportsnet. He's Mr. Lakers reporter. It's Mike Trudell. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. Thank you for getting in touch with me. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this about me or really people in general, but I happen to love uh, English people and really extending to a great point in general. I find them to be more funny um, than the average American. I'm slightly more educated, just more interesting. And uh, I, I'm actually English myself um, my, on my dad's side um, and actually a little bit on my mom's side. We kind of like split between French and English and Irish. Uh, but so I, I do I do tie into that um, English blood. But yes, yeah, so, so I, I when I saw the DM from you, I was like, look, I, I always have time to speak to England. Uh, there's no question about that. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate that. Like, practically the entirety of my Lakers fandom has been watching your sideline reporting and player interviews. So it's so cool for me to be here chatting to you. I mean, I'm from the UK. I currently live in France as well. So that's ticking some of them boxes that you just mentioned there with your family. Yeah, I mean, look, the English Channel uh, still connects us, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, first of all, um, I hope that you and your family are safe. How are you holding up over there with everything that's going on in the world at the moment? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's difficult, I think, for everybody uh, in the world. And, and I'm still in that position of just trying to learn and understand and, and do my part as best I can. And, and so my part has been to just stay in my house, really. That's been the thing that that has been the most consistent thing since the season ended. And I think the the last game that I covered was, of course, the Nets-Lakers game on, was it the 11th, I want to say, uh, of mm-hmm. March. And then I did a I did play-by-play. Let's see. Oh, it was the 10th, actually. Yeah, it was the 10th. And then on the 11th, I did play-by-play for the G League game for the South Bay Lakers um, right as they were canceling the season. Uh, so that was kind of difficult to go through. And since then, I've basically been home. And so I've just been trying to look at it I've got five-year-old twins, so I've been trying to look at it as my extended uh, paternal leave, which I never really got to take because the boys were born in the middle of the preseason back in 2014, and I had to get back uh, to the team after a couple of weeks. I just missed, I think, like two preseason games was was the only games that I had missed since 2008 when I started. So um, I'm looking at this like that and just trying to spend as much time as I can with the family. Uh, Okay, that's uh, that's great to hear, and it's it's great to hear that um, you and your family are safe as well as as the whole world is going through this is is quite crazy. I mean, how uh, flipping it to the Lakers, how how do the players, um, how, how are they doing? Do you have contact with them? I've seen Danny Green talking on uh, in the media about a team WhatsApp group, uh, but the players were still going into the practice facility on an individual basis, weren't they initially? But then when the next news broke that you were just speaking about, that led to a full lockdown, did it? Well, yeah, essentially, the entire league closed their practice facilities uh, at that point, right? Once it, once it became an issue where it was affecting more than one team and, you know, kind of more than one individual. And so we didn't share, nobody's really shared the names um, if there were players that tested positive. But just regardless, I think they wanted to take that ultimate precaution and go for the, the couple of weeks of quarantine. And I have been able to speak to a couple of the players on the phone. Uh, in fact, the interviews that I wrote up are on Lakers.com. And I think I tweeted them out from my from my account if you guys want to check those out. But yeah, so yeah. I talked to Danny and, Car- and Alex Caruso. They're both doing well. Um, they are both just trying to do their best to maintain some level of fitness while in their houses. 
and they're trying to eat right and, and just going through all of that you know on being on twitch and netflix and watching shows and watching movies and training that's really what they've uh, they've been trying to do and just stay to the point where uh where you know if things turn to the positive and if things are able to turn out well you know these guys want to be ready to go and to get back into it but there's just so much uncertainty around this that that all we're all doing right now is just staying home and that includes the players definitely yes and if it's possible, um, whilst I've got you, a question that, that, that I have for you personally is, if we quickly rewind back a few years in terms of your career and in terms of professional sports, you actually started out in the NFL, didn't you, with the Baltimore Ravens in 2005 and then the Minnesota Vikings before going over to the NBA with the Timberwolves and then over to the Lakers in 2008. Is that a short, accurate roundup of your journey to LA? Yeah, your background research is accurate. Uh, well done. I I did start it. I had a, a bunch of different internships that I was doing either while in college. And I know the, I, I don't know if the, the programs are a bit different um, in Europe and it depends on what country you're in. But, you know, I went to a, a typical four-year university, Northwestern University uh, here, and it's got one of the better journalism schools in the country, which was kind of why I went there. So um, I, I always had the intent of getting into covering sports and broadcasting. And so my, my first internship out of college, as you mentioned, was with the Baltimore Ravens. And that actually led me to Europe. So I did NFL Europe. I don't know if you if you guys remember yeah. um, NFL Europe because it's been defunct now for a little while. But I worked for the Cologne Centurions for one season, and uh, that was great. It, it was amazing. I got to live at the Durant Sofitel for four months in Cologne, which was beautiful. And uh, you know, I, at the time, I had no money, no anything, and some of the players that had played in the NFL kind of took care of me the whole time. It was almost like I was on scholarship. Uh, so that was great, and we took some trips. And uh, including uh, that was one of the times that I was able to go to London. So, yeah, it was uh, that was kind of those were some of my formative years in sports. And then I finally started working in the NBA in 2005. Let's see, it was the 06, 07 season with the Timberwolves. Okay, and then when you went over to L.A., you went straight over to the bright lights of L.A. And then the Lakers hit a championship run, didn't they, shortly after the championship winning years of 2009, 2010. How was that? It must have been surreal being around the likes of Kobe, Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom. Yeah, it was a fantastic time for sure. I went from the Timberwolves who had been struggling in those two years. And I so I had Kevin Garnett's last season in Minnesota and then they traded him. And the so that so like that last season they did not win a lot of games. And when I saw that the the Lakers thing developed and I got that job and I flew out, and I of course just being an NBA obsessed person had watched everything that had happened the previous season and so on and so forth. So I had, I thought the Lakers were going to win the title that year. So it, it's all about expectations. But I came into that season thinking, yeah, I mean, this is the best team in the league. Uh, they lost to Boston in the finals, but they had no Andrew Bynum, no Trevor Ariza. And it, the finals itself was a bit closer uh, than it appeared uh, when you know they got blown out in the final game. So I, I was expecting them to bounce back and win that year. And and so that, like, in terms of them winning, it wasn't that it was a surprise, but it was I was going in thinking that way. And so it was super exciting to follow that team and super exciting to get to learn the NBA from that perspective. And, you know, going from what I had experienced in Minnesota to Phil Jackson every day, you know, speaking to him, the, to, to me, the greatest coach ever, the smartest coach ever. And then Kobe, uh, just how much I learned about basketball from Kobe um, was tremendous. So I'm very fortunate to be in that spot where I was able to go in right at that time with the Lakers. Okay. And obviously, 
I would like to speak about about Kobe Bryant. I mean, with the recent passing of Kobe, the outpour of grief around the world was incredible to see. He certainly left his mark and inspired millions globally, including myself. We went over to, we, me and my girlfriend, we went over to LA in February, um, which was around 10 days to two weeks after Kobe's passing. And it was surreal to see all the murals and all the tributes covering the city and actually being there. But you were close to Kobe. You spoke to him and were around him on, on countless occasions. You probably have many memories with him. What, what made Kobe so special? And have you got a personal favorite moment with him or being in his presence? Yeah, so I, I had eight years of covering Kobe. And then, you know, when he would come back to the arena, which wasn't often, but when he would come back, I would usually get a chance to just go and, and say a quick hello. And I did interview him on the phone a couple of times. I did this big piece on Dr. Buss. And so we talked about that. And, and so it was always good to connect with him. And I mean, the things that stand out just to me in general about him and about how he, he was who he was, I think if you look at anybody in the world, and, and I don't care, name your, uh, you know, name your country, um, name or just regardless of where you're from, the people that are truly great mm -hmm. at something have a mix of talents and work ethic. And, and you can like my, you know, my favorite soccer player in England over the years, uh, at least in the more recent years was Wayne Rooney. Um, and I think mm -hmm. it's, it kind of can symbolize some of that, right. Where you have this, this incredible talent and he bursts into the premier league, you know, at age 16, but then, you know, he also just has this sort of work rate on the pitch that, that enables him to kind of get to that next level. Uh, and, you know, like before that, my favorite player was Ryan Giggs, as you can see, I'm a, clearly a Manchester United fan. So I'm probably, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably, you know, half of that now, I don't know, 80% of your listeners are now going to, I'm going to dislike me for that. But uh, so I, I, going back to Kobe, so he clearly was blessed with this amazing uh, talent. You know, his father was an NBA player, uh, right? Uh, Joe Bell Jellybean Bryant, and he's six, <laughs> six, you know, he's super athletic, all that. But what made him get to the where, the place where he did as a, a top 10 player all time was a crazy just in phenomenal work rate and work ethic and that's now i think been wrapped a little bit into this mamba mentality that we've learned more about in the later years and the, even that he had uh, coaching his daughter and how that was sort of translated onto Gigi. so that to me was what always stood out is that it wasn't it wasn't just the athleticism it wasn't just the brain it was this combination of both that made him that truly elite, truly special player. And I think that you can you can use that. And to me, sports are a great metaphor for life in general. You can pull that out and try. You know, it's not easy for any of us, but you can try to apply that to your own situation, uh, to whatever you can. And so I always found Kobe to be such an inspirational figure uh, to me. And then I don't do I can I can give you one story if you if you want uh, on Kobe. Uh, if uh, but I don't want to keep talking. I, that was a little bit of a monologue there. Um, yeah, if you've got a, a quick story to, to tell, it'd be, that'd be fantastic to hear, yeah. All right, sure. So I'll give you one. I've told this before, and so certainly on whether on the radio here or on the official Lakers podcast, but so I'll try to be, I'll try to do a brief version of it, but it's a little bit telling as to who Kobe was and who he is. And so my, like my own personal favorite memory was I happened to play ping pong against him a couple of times. And, and so the, <laughs> the reason this happened was the team was in Detroit over Thanksgiving and you know we were all away from our families and, and Thanksgiving in, in the States is you know one of is one of the favorite holidays for many and you know the, the typical thing is you're you know if you just get together with your family and, and potentially a couple of close friends but typically a family and have this huge feast 
uh, and you know, it goes back to the Pilgrims, all that. And we don't need to get into you know U.S. and, and British history and all that. <laughs> uh, but yes, so we're in Detroit, and Kobe decides to get the ballroom rented out for everybody once he learned that the team didn't have anything planned, and in the spur of a moment, was able to get it fully catered. And this just massive Thanksgiving spread, and there happened to be a ping pong table in the area. Some of the players were playing at some point. I went over and was playing with Jordan Farmar who folks would remember from that back-to-back championship run as the backup mm-hmm. point guard. So he and I are playing. I'm playing against a, a guy named Sean Williams, um, as this was a couple years after that run. And Kobe was on the sideline and, you know, t- essentially talking trash to Sean Williams because he was losing to me, uh, the sideline reporter. You know, essentially like, what, uh, dude, what are you doing? And I then was being facetious, uh, but it was just sort of playing Kobe's game a little bit. And I said, what, if you, if you want some, I'm happy to give you some too. You know, if you, if you want to get beat, you can have, and, and I've, I've assumed that he either wouldn't want to play um, or that, you know, he was some legendary ping pong player too, just because he's Kobe. And, and he was like, all right. So he got up and, and, and I, we started playing and I quickly learned just from, you know, it doesn't take long, right. In any sport it, you, I kind of knew that I was a little better um, at ping pong. I, I grew up playing a lot and whatever. So I'm no, I'm no world-class player or anything, but I can hold my own. And so I learned that I was better, but, the reason that this got this was so interesting to me is that if you just if you just kind of play a pickup game of anything with anybody, most of the time it's friendly. You know, people are you, you might talk a little trash, but there's no you know it's not like game seven or anything for for most people. But for Kobe, he's studying the way that I'm playing, and by the end of the first game, he's already made me switch what I was doing, which was essentially praying on his backhand. And, you know, trying to set up my forehand slam. And, and I'm, he's already adjusting within the course of one game. And it just was uh, was miraculous to me that, that you can sort of see why he is who he is, right? Even in that context of playing ping pong. And then he, so I beat him uh, pretty handily. And, and he says, all right, let's run it, run it back. Let's go again. And he's not, like, he's not mad that he lost to the sideline reporter. He doesn't care, right? He, he knows who he is. He's just not going to do it again um, if it's up to him. But, like, he's going to get... He's so it, it's just it's a strange thing. Usually, if you beat somebody like that and, and somebody that's that's got high stature, you could see them getting frustrated. He wasn't getting frustrated. Uh, he was just like, all right, so I, I I now need to do this. And then he the score in the second game was much closer than it was in the first game. And you know I was still better. I still beat him, but it took more. And I what I had heard was that after that Thanksgiving dinner, he told his security guy like, look, we uh, we need to get a ping pong table ordered. And so essentially so that that doesn't happen again. So the next time that he gets in, in a room somewhere and people are playing ping pong, he's not getting up there uh, and losing. So it's just a, my own little insight into what he what he's like as a competitor and just as a person and um, as a an individual. And, and that was fascinating to me. Yeah, no, definitely. Thanks for sharing that story. It is, it is fascinating. I think it's telling for his uh, work ethic and, you know, his, his willingness to to just be the best at, everything that, that that came across and it really was telling after his basketball career when he went and you know did the short film and won awards and was successful in business and wrote books and things like that so thank you for sharing that and I'd like to transition from then to now so obviously you covered the championship winning years of 09 and 10 and straight away in your career and it seemed like those days had returned before the NBA suspension and hopes were high of another championship this season You've covered the Kobe Pau Gasol teams and now a LeBron Anthony Davis team. The chemistry between LeBron and AD has been very apparent this season and it seems that it's been spreading throughout the roster. My question to you is what makes this 
that this season's Lakers team so special? And are there any similarities to that of the last championship window of the Lakers? Yeah, so so similarities. I think there are similarities between any championship caliber team uh, in almost any sport. And, and this is the this is one of the things about sports is that we can all understand the different languages. And like when I watch the English Premier League, I can I can make analogies to the NBA and you know which team plays like another team. And so there's so there's nobody this season that that quite had Liverpool's um, English Premier League season right where they had they had sort of the the right the the right form, they had the talent, they had the belief, uh, they had the coach, they had the system, they had the fans, like everything sort of was was seemingly pushing towards that that one clear goal and you had a clear best team. Uh, that's how the Warriors yeah. were the previous seven years, right? So so yeah. like there that was that was what it was like. That's what that's what it back when everything was right in the world, that's what it was like in Manchester United. You know, we got all the best English players and then you you and then we we you know grabbed an elite talent from somewhere else in the world, a, a Ronaldo Anani um, a you know going going back into a a Roy Keane even though that's still part of uh, in the in the geographical area Ryan Giggs or you'd get you'd pull Dwight York you know out of the Caribbean um, yeah. like there there was there was Eric Cantona like there there were that was how things were and the Lakers have had certainly years like that this year um, there were a couple of teams I think that had the, the requisite talent and to me in the preseason it was the Bucks the Clippers and the Lakers and I I thought that the Lakers had the best chance of winning a seven game series. Because I still think that the LeBron James in a playoff series, uh, even whether it's one game or seven games, I still think that he has the biggest impact um, on the game of anybody. And so yeah. I, I would have picked him. And then I think Anthony Davis is the best second best player um, on any of those teams, you know, just just given all that he can do on both ends. And, and Paul George, you know, playing where he was at a, at a uh, at a all NBA first team level last season, um, but he had the offseason shoulder surgeries, and so I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to get back, get to back to that. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's a, a long winded way of saying like I I definitely saw the Lakers before the season started as having what it took to win a championship, and what I wasn't sure of, and what I wasn't you know I I think you always have to wait and see how it plays out in a team is how are these guys going to interact with each other? What's the chemistry going to be like? How are they going to fit with one another? And that was was just uh, fantastic, you know, really compared to even those those winning teams for the Lakers in 08 and 09 and 09 10. Like those teams had great chemistry, but it was almost in a different way. It was in it was it was in a like we are winning this period. It's serious. It's game time. There is no messing around. And Kobe set that tone. He got Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum to follow that dictum. Yeah, like that was it was just a, it was a team with a purpose. This Lakers team, you know, they certainly have the same purpose, but it's just it's it's one it's a much more college like feel almost, even though it's mostly vets. It's just like these guys are all have just all been so much on the same page. And I think that the dynamic with Davis is that clear number two and coming in and wanting to follow uh, LeBron in that sense, but also being a leader himself that has set the tone with vets. Now, everybody else in the roster knows they're there specifically to supplement and to complement those players. So. Uh, that that to me has been the the real big thing that's made the Lakers the number one seed, you know, with a five and a half game lead at the time the season was suspended, because they were all able to unite like that um, around the talent that they had that was going to make them good regardless. Yeah, and you mentioned LeBron there, and it's hard not to. He was playing at such an incredible level before the suspension in his seventeenth season too. It's true; it was truly incredible to witness. Um, what's it like being behind the scenes with a person like LeBron? What, what's he like off the camera? I really like LeBron. I think everybody around him does. Uh, he's uh, he's always positive. Uh, he always stays in the moment. 
He's uh, he's all about whatever is going on that day, uh, whoever the next opponent is. And he's he's cool with all his teammates like they're they're really uh, you kind of what you see is what you get from LeBron uh, with. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys happen to see he was on Instagram live the other day for a while. Yeah. And that's what he's like. Like, that's what he's like. He's he's joking around with his teammates. Uh, he's joking around with you, uh, with the media. He's giving good answers to whatever questions that you ask. Um, he's excellent in the walk-off interviews. So, like, he's just a – he's a real easy player to cover. Um, he's, a, he's a real easy guy to be around. And for, you know, for somebody that's been – you got to think about this. So, since he was probably five or six years old, he's been the best. You know, he's, like, at, at, uh, at basketball – at football while he was playing, he's been the best. And I think that, so he's probably had people telling him that as well. And it's been true. And it's, and he still is all this time later, you know, at age 35, uh, he's still the best. So to be the best in the world at something for essentially 30 years, you know, and, and look, when he went into the NBA, he wasn't the best player um, in the world, but he was pretty close. You know, even when he was young, he was already, he was up there getting on all NBA first teams, like in his, uh, very early in his career. So he's always, he's always had that confidence and um, there's always been a certain way that he's carried himself and that hasn't changed. He's, he's still LeBron James. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I know that you're a bit, uh, we haven't got too much time, so I'd like to get towards the latter end of the podcast. And in the um, last few episodes, I've been interviewing guests and we've kind of go down the route with some quick fire questions. Uh, some are Lakers related, some are just, general questions um usually this or that or, or or what is your favorite whatever um is that good with you yeah of course yeah please okay so let's start what's your favorite fast food <sighs> favorite fast food well i have a a massive sweet tooth so you know i so i, I there's <laughs> i kind of i can encapsulate a lot of stuff in this but for fast food um i will probably go with in and out burger um, now, if you've been to Los Angeles, uh, you've had it. They don't have it in many other places, many other states. You can get it in Las Vegas um, and certain other parts of California. But yeah, In-N-Out Burger would probably be my first choice. Okay. And um, what's your favorite vacation destination? Man, the coolest city that I've ever been to would probably be Barcelona. Uh, I've I've been there twice and had an incredible experience. And I will tell you, though, that... that England is up there for me. I, I confessed at the beginning of this podcast of being an Anglophile, <laughs> and uh, I sort. Of, I, but here's the thing: I haven't been to many cities in England as, aside from London. So I'd love to go to Manchester. Maybe you could. Maybe you could give me like a top five of places that to visit uh, in England if I were to go back. Yeah, no, definitely. That's something that that, that I could provide uh, for you. I, I'm personally from the north of England, um, a place called Leeds, which isn't too far from Manchester, actually. Yeah, no, I, I've uh, I've I've read uh, I've I've read about and I can't remember the, that's what the book's called is is it like Leeds United or something or is mm-hmm. that I, yeah football so I've, team, read, yeah. I've read about the football club and just how I know they used to be quite good and and then you know things changed as as they have with your club um, I learned before we started recording <laughs> yeah for people who are listening that won't know because I've never said it I'm a Bolton Wanderers fan so um, yeah you're probably laughing now as you've heard that but it's not been very good in recent years. <laughs> that man it's gotta be tough you know look all you got to do is do what manchester city did and uh and get some get an oil uh monarch from a different country to come in and buy your way back to success that's uh (laughs) uh, unlike unlike the purely the purely driven manchester united who just did (laughs) power and history and glory (laughs) 
Right, well, we'll continue with the questions. Um, who's the funniest Laker on the current roster? Hmm. For for years, the default answer was Nick Young, uh, but since he is no longer on the squad, I mean, Jared mm-hmm. Dudley is quite funny. Kuz is is very funny. Um, I you know I th- some guys on the team would tell you that LeBron uh, is up there or Dwight. Uh, they're certainly the most active uh, and the loudest. But yeah, I would probably have to narrow down and and choose uh, either Dudley or Kuzma. Okay, and we've got two more for you, um, and then I'll just quickly ask you something else to round out the podcast. Um, Twitter or Instagram? It so it totally depends, right? So for work, for me, for work, Twitter is more vital, you know, and that's where uh, I will, I can, you know, I can actually cover a game just on Twitter, and so I, I do think that it it continues to provide value in that sense. Like during mm-hmm. the coronavirus, uh, for example, like with with this, all that's going on, and and all of the uh, just trying to get the news and the information, I still think Twitter is better for that. It, but if it's if I'm just if I'm just like at my house and there isn't something I need to know at the time, uh, then I'd certainly prefer Instagram, right? Because they they have their different functionalities. Now I'm cheating a little bit, so if I if I had to just pick one, I guess my answer would be Instagram. Um, but I I have to recognize the the imports of Twitter in work context, especially in information gathering context. Definitely. Um, do you prefer a movie marathon or a TV show binge? Well, I would, I would probably go TV uh, in this instance. I, I think that TV has just grown so much and so exponentially. And I put up, in fact, I put, speaking of Instagram, I put up an Instagram list sort of of my favorite shows uh, of the last several years. And, you know, it, it's, it's not, this is not something that, that I think is necessarily universal, um, but certainly for, for folks that are in America, um, my list was uh, The Wire, Breaking, uh, The Wire, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, The West Wing, Friday Night Lights, and then uh, as a runner-up, Mad Men. Now, I would put, if we we're going to put some comedies mm-hmm. in there, I would put Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I would put The Office, and especially the British version of The Office, was was one of my favorite shows ever uh, with Ricky Gervais. I don't know how that show's looked at now um, in England, but I, I absolutely love that show. I thought it was just completely brilliant. I had never seen anything like it, and I think a lot of shows have stolen from it since. So um, that that has to be up there for me, too. Yeah, well, I mean, that leads into the, the final question, actually. So obviously, everyone's watching films and TV shows uh, whilst in quarantine and you've mentioned a load of tv shows there um i i it's funny because i actually love the us office um the uk one's okay but with ricky gervais i think you either love him or you don't quite get him and sometimes i'm in the mood sometimes i'm not so i really like the us office but what would you put if you, okay top- hold on a bit if you like the us office then you have to give all of the credit to, to ricky gervais who essentially yeah. came up with the entire thing. But yes, I, the U.S. office was was amazing. I didn't like the first season as much because it was like they were trying to do, they were almost trying to do an exact repeat of the British office. Once they started mm-hmm. to sort of let the actors be themselves, right, then it, then it was great at that point. Yeah, definitely. Well, to round out, what are your top five movies slash TV shows for surviving the quarantine? It doesn't have to be an order. Would it be what you've just said? Or are you watching things at the moment? Yeah, so I like at the moment. I mean, in in America, everybody is obsessed with this Tiger King show on Netflix. Um, I watched it. I like. I it was definitely interesting as to just how crazy 
um, this group of people were uh, that essentially like they all, you know, they all owned and then well, I, I won't spoil it, but it's, it's that was interesting. I didn't think it was quite as great um, as, as ter- in terms of like a television drama. It was just insane reality. So uh, but the, the best show on right now is Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's on HBO. Uh, I mm-hmm. a couple of other like if you like HBO shows. So I have uh, Chernobyl. Uh, that's that's uh, been a couple of months, though. And uh, Westworld just started up. So I'm really enjoying that. Uh, Euphoria. Mm-hmm. Also on HBO was great, and then I, I don't know if you're if you're a hip hop fan. Wu Tang Clan of Mikes and Men on Showtime was great, and yeah, I've heard also, of it. okay, yeah, so that's great. I just I'm watching Homeland, which is live, and then Better mm-hmm. Call Saul. Let's see, I loved Narcos Mexico, and okay. there's a there's also a show uh, there's a Netflix series on Formula One, which is really cool. And I wasn't really a big Formula One fan uh, before it. But that, I think that kind of shows the the power of some of these, the inside access that you get. And I, like I, they weren't getting Lewis Hamilton before. Uh, where, he's a, he's he's British, right? Where's where's Hamilton from? Specifically? Yeah, yeah uh, I'm not uh, just down south, I think, like look, okay. around London area. But okay. yeah, um, I, I've seen that one, the F1 um, TV oh, yeah. show. It's really good behind the scenes. It's a. Uh, like the equivalent of what, like, because I love watching Backstage Lakers where it's like documentary style behind the scenes and it pretty much takes that box of Formula One. It's excellent. It's really good. Right. Um. So, yeah, so that's it. And by the way, if you uh, if you, if you have any other Laker questions, I, I do, I do, I can, I got a, about five more minutes if, if there's some other, other stuff that you wanted to get to that, because I, I know you were, had to skip over a couple of things. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, we can, we can rewind a little bit. I was just being a bit, um, time conscious but one thing i'll ask you this and then we'll round up um you with the 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 lakers um you're with them practically all the time aren't you and that includes uh traveling on on the road with the team i believe which must be rewarding but it also must be really tiring i bet back to backs are brutal what 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 is that like could you take us through kind of like your routine on the road what what is that like for you yeah so i i it's funny because i get this question a lot just about what it's like to travel and, and people do assume that it's difficult. And I actually, I don't, not to spoil it, but I would, I would almost say the, it's the opposite. So being on the road, especially with private travel um, is actually quite easy uh, for me, at least now, now part of that is because I'm a night owl and a lot of the time, you know, you're, so you, let's say you're in new Orleans and the game ends at 10 PM you're in the air by midnight and you're landing in uh, let's say back in Los Angeles at two in the morning. Like that's fine for me. I'm typically on that kind of a schedule anyway. Um, I think for people that are early risers, it could be a little bit difficult, but you know, everything is taken care of for you on the road because they want to make sure that it's as easy as it is, as it can be for the players. So you're, you're driving to a separate terminal from the typical airport. You're walking straight onto a plane. You know, the plane is taking off pretty shortly. You, the plane lands after you've been well fed on the plane and you're walking down to a bus that takes you to a hotel. They have your room keys out on the table um, with some waters and Gatorades and snacks and stuff. So uh, then you get up to your room. And for me, you know, again, I, since I have small children at home, I'm actually able to get a lot of work done while I'm on the road. And so I'm, I'm, it's a little bit, I'm a little bit more productive there. I'm working out a little bit more. So the only tough part for me of being on the road is that I miss my family. So it's, it's not the actual yeah. being gone uh, that is taxing. Uh, it, it's, I think it is for the people that are flying commercially, 
um, all over the country and how, you know, my, my old radio partner, Michael Thompson, who played in, for the Showtime Lakers in the eighties is always talking about that, how, you know, how hard it used to be and how soft the things are today for the players. But um, I, and, and so I, I understand that, right. Cause it, cause it is easy for me. I just end up, I, it's, I miss my wife. I miss my kids. Um, but I'm, I'm actually, uh, I actually really do enjoy that part of being on the road and really inundating myself with the team. And I think it, it also provides the best way to really understand the team, you know, see what guys are like in that context and, and to, to not miss anything by being able to be at everything. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, that, that, that's, that's fascinating to have that insight and thank you so much for taking the time to, to come back to me and jump on the pod after I did that group tweet. I really appreciate it. It's been fantastic having you. I, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. We've tried to make it a little bit fun with not just basketball questions, but, um, you know, a bit of general things, films, TV shows, and I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Well, it's been my pleasure. And, you know, like I said, had you told me that you were a Liverpool or a Chelsea <laughs> or an Arsenal fan, uh, t- even Tottenham, you know, then think or <laughs> city, then things might have gone differently. But, you know, I, it's the fact that uh, the fact that your squad um, has sadly been relegated, you know, meant that you were not a threat whatsoever um, to. <laughs> and therefore, you know, we're cool, you and I. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, before we go, do you want to let people know where they can find you on social media? Have you got any work you want to shout out or anything like that? No, I mean, you, you mentioned the stuff at the top. It's fine. Like if, if people want to find me, they could find me. Um, I, I, I just came out to talk a little hoops um, and to, you know, to spread the Manchester United gospel and, and to make people roll their eyes <laughs> for, the, uh, for the hundredth time that I've mentioned that now in the spot. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Well, thanks again for coming on. It, it's been a pleasure and, and stay safe. All right, go United. <laughs> and to the listeners, you can find The Late Late Show on all major podcast platforms. Please follow and leave a review where possible. Be sure to follow Lakers UK over on Twitter and Instagram under LA Lakers UK and subscribe to our YouTube channel also. We'll catch you next time.